Hi guys, you're listening to Irrepressible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Ashley. I'm an entrepreneur, a content creator, and I have a background in styling where I've worked alongside some of the biggest names in Hollywood, like Ariana Grande and Melissa McCarthy. You're in the right place if you're looking for a realistic approach to life because we're about to have some eye-opening conversations on how to do so. So let's jump into today's conversation. Hi guys, welcome back to Irrepressible. For anyone new around here, my name is Erica Ashley. Welcome, I'm so happy to have you. By the time you are listening to this episode, I will officially be in Chicago, which means I survived my week of chaos last week. If you listened to last week's episode, you'll know what I'm talking about, but honestly, thank God, because I was stressed out there for a second and... When I get overly stressed, it's just not, I mean, when anyone gets overly stressed, it's not a good situation, but you can only handle like a hundred percent effort for so long. And I honestly have been doing it for way too long. So anywho, today's episode, I'm really happy to bring about for you. I have Dr. Janine Kraft on and her and I recorded this podcast episode a couple weeks ago. And honestly, ever since I have not been able to stop thinking about some of the things that she touches on in this episode. She is a licensed clinical psychologist turned mental wellness and consciousness coach. You're probably like, what is a consciousness coach? I asked her that. She gets really detailed into what exactly that means, what her background is, what she's doing now. And I find it fascinating and And to me, it really makes sense to incorporate so many different modalities when you are dealing with things like mental health or limiting beliefs. And that's really what she does at the end of the day. And so we talk a lot about the link between our mental and physical health in this episode. She touches on when you have trauma that's trapped in the body, what is going on with that, how to release it, things like that why we should be looking at anxiety as a symptom rather than a disorder, which no one has ever said that, but to me it made so much sense when she was talking about it. And we really touch on judgment in this episode, which I really appreciated this part of the conversation because this is what I was talking about when I said there's things that she said that I can't stop thinking about. It's all around judgment. And her view on judgment and what it is and how it affects us is really eye-opening and she asks a lot of very open-ended questions and they're questions that I've truly never considered and I tend to feel like I am someone who does sit down with myself and ask myself questions but Sometimes when you hear it from somebody else for the first time, this completely new question, it just opens up so much in you. And my mind has kind of been blown around the talk of judgment in this episode. So I hope you find that as fascinating as I did because it's really made a positive impact in my life since I spoke with her. We also touch on purpose and your subconscious how it affects us daily, which if you listened to my episode on EFT a couple weeks ago, you know I dove into that and I love that stuff. I just like love learning about how our brain works. I find it so incredibly fascinating. 
And then she also gives a lot of like tips and tools and things you can do and questions you can ask and stuff you can do every day to like really help yourself open up and let go and move forward and figure out things that are blocking you. Um, and I just, I have such an appreciation for that. So before I give away this entire episode, because I'm just so excited for you to hear about it, I'm just going to let us get into the actual episode. So here is Dr. Kraft. I hope you enjoy. I would love for you to give us a backstory, kind of like what your journey has been like and what it is that you do now. Yeah. So I used to dance for a really long time. I was a ballet dancer and did musical theater and all sorts of things, but ballet mainly for like 17 years. So that was like my purpose, my meaning for life. And, um, it was just, it's a really challenging profession. Like I had a lot of injuries. And then I just had my own, like some health traumas along the way. I had like a brain tumor and a misdiagnosed appendicitis. So I just, I had a lot that went on. And so I just got to the place where I was done, donezo with continuing on. So I was about, I think 23, 24, and I had danced with a professional company. I went to the Boston conservatory, which is like a Juilliard type school. So it's like, it was serious. It was my life, you know? Um, and so at that point, when I quit, I just felt so overwhelmed with the loss and really not knowing where to turn from there that I sought therapy because I was depressed. I was having panic attacks and just feeling like, you know, I just had no identity to go from. And that literally just created a huge pivot for me in my life, going to therapy and just starting to learn about boundaries and just becoming more aware of myself and how I was functioning day to day really just changed everything. And so fast forward, I went to uh, graduate school to get my master's in clinical psychology and then my doctorate, because I was like, I really like this. I want to figure this out and learn more. Um, and so I did all of that and, you know, kind of was trained in all the evidence-based treatments and whatnot and got licensed. And all of a sudden I just felt like I was still missing something, something I wasn't taught something or just the way the kind of Western world sees mental health and healing, I was like, there's gotta be something else. And so that, that was around 2016 that I just started to seek outside the box. What are other potential modalities? And I found access consciousness. I found neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, emotion, freedom, technique, tapping the emotion code, just like this slew of all these other things that I was never taught in school. Um, and mainly because they're all, they're either energy informed or like really informed through quantum physics or spirituality, things like that. And that to me was the missing link for transformation, for mental wellness. And so I, after many years also working with veterans and in the traditional field, I was just done and I was ready to leap and work on my own. So now I'm a psychologist turned mental wellness and consciousness coach. And so I work with folks one-on-one and groups more from this kind of integrated modality now of all these different energy psychology tools, quantum linguistics, things that really just create change fast and all really from this kind of holistic point of view of incorporating the body. So that's what I do today. Yeah, that's incredible. I recently have found EFT 
And it has literally changed my life in the best ways. So I love that that's like one of the areas that you sought out information through. Yeah, I love EFT tapping. And so for folks that don't know, basically, um, the main premise of it was really taken from TCM or traditional Chinese medicine. So where the whole body, the energy meridians and pathways were all mapped out and basically tap on acupressure points that are like these kind of intersections of like these pockets of energy to get the energy flowing. And I'm sure as you know, like kind of being able to release limiting thoughts and beliefs and just get really present, clear and grounded. It's just an incredible tool that you can use anytime. It really is. When you say consciousness coach, can you dive into what you mean by that specifically? Yeah. So hmm, there's so much there. So, okay. We literally function 95% of our day from our subconscious, which means not being totally present with what is like just the way we, you know, if you kind of look at your day, how you get up the same way, you might have the same routine of either going to the bathroom or making coffee or taking care of your dog. And you kind of do the same thing every day. That's how we function really efficiently in our day, right? So we're functioning from all these habits. So really like if we're not getting present with our unconscious habits, then these patterns will start to continue to show up in our lives. So it might look like, oh, you have the same argument over and over again with your significant other, or you date the same type of person, despite them looking different on the outside, or you might have the same issues with money, despite making more money, you always have the same amount of debt and stressors with it. Those are all coming from subconscious beliefs and points of view that are keeping us stuck. And so really, when I say consciousness coach, I'm facilitating folks on getting present with these unconscious patterns that are just really keeping them from getting to the next stage in life of really thriving. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that our beliefs and our points of view, so which are generally held in the subconscious, we're not always totally clear on them, actually are creating our reality. They're mirrored back to us because our brains will delete distort and generalize incoming information that doesn't match our already held beliefs. Mm. And so this is where we can get into like confirmation bias or things like that, where we're really actually looking for what we already have decided. And so if I have a limiting belief around money or something like money is hard to make or something, maybe that's my belief, then the, my reality will constantly reflect that back to me. It's like, I can't figure it out. I'm trying all the things I'm doing the investing. I'm doing, you know, it's like, you learn all the things, the tools, the tips that people teach. And if you don't get to the root of like what your subconscious is showing you or what your belief is, then that will never change for you because it will just constantly be reflected back to you. Yeah. It's almost like we're just living on autopilot. Yeah, exactly. And it's literally 95% of the day. And, you know, it's made that way in the sense of, at any given moment, we are just taking in so much information, like information, you know, just like our conversation right now, or we're also aware of just kind of what's going on around in our periphery. Or like, I also have just an awareness that my dog is on the couch in the living room sleeping. You know what I mean? You're taking in so Mm -hmm. much information at once. And 
you know, our brain is constantly filtering it out so that we can be present. So we can have this conversation right now. Otherwise we would just be totally distracted by it all. And then that can be problematic if we're deleting really important information. I share this example where I was, um, I was, had a rental car that I'd driven to my hotel and whatnot. And I was getting back in it and I was trying to put the key in and I was like, why is the key not working? The key's not working. And I actually went and, you know, asked the ballet gentleman, Hey, can you help me out? I don't know what's going on. I got to get to this meeting. And he's like, let me see your keys. And he was like, is it this key? I was literally using the wrong key. I was using the wrong key, but my brain, because I was kind of in some resistance of like, I can't be wrong. I'm not wrong. I, the key worked before, but my brain literally deleted. It's like, I couldn't see what was right in front of me. And so that's how powerful our subconscious is. And so as a consciousness coach, basically I'm bringing awareness to these patterns to the surface. So we folks can reframe, reprogram, and basically in turn change the reality. So what does that process look like in determining the root of these blocks that we might be having? Yeah. So it might look like, mm, okay. It might look like me asking certain types of questions to get to what the root is. So for instance, I, I was doing like a TikTok live yesterday and someone was saying, oh, I'm just so sick of sick and tired of being the mediator in my family. Like I'm the one that has to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I asked them, well, what do you love about being the mediator? And oftentimes the response is nothing. I don't like it. And the thing is, if a pattern is showing up over and over again, there's something we get out of it. There's something we like about it. Maybe if we can't totally, you know, be present with that, there's something that is reoccurring there. And so when I ask questions like that, what do you love about it? It's like, oh, what do I get out of it? People start to think about it a different way. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I call it like it's like from neurolinguistic programming, they call it quantum linguistics. It's really using questions to get people out of the energetic jail cell of the mind that they put themselves into. So I use a lot of these open-ended questions to kind of probe what is coming up, maybe what's being suppressed or hidden, and really just actually bring energetically to the surface, the belief. Now, people might not always be totally clear on the belief. And this is where there's another tool in access consciousness, where um, it's called a clearing statement. And basically it's this phrasing and again, kind of quantum linguistics to move the energy along. So even if I ask a question like that and they're like, but it still brings an energy up, then I can clear it with a clearing statement. And so that's another way to kind of reprogram and help people get present with their beliefs. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, there's obviously more to it than like, okay, let me identify what it is. And if it's a limiting belief that you've held on for years and years and years, just by identifying it is not going to necessarily clear it. Now you have to do the work to rewrite and rewire. Yeah. Well, and it depends on how much, how much people are just like really identify with it or don't mm. want to let it go. Um, Cause that's the thing. Cause they might be aware of it, but it's like, you know, I'm really just not ready to let that go. Cause I don't know who I am without it. Um, and so that could be something. And so it might take choosing over and over again, like day to day where you are continually 
choosing to outcreate that limiting belief, choose past the fear over and over again until it kind of diminishes. So sometimes things can clear right away. Other times they take longer. It just depends on the situation. Yeah, that makes sense. The other day when you and I were going back and forth, I had mentioned to you, I was like, I love if we have time to touch on purpose, but I've changed my mind and I want to make sure we include it because what you just said, (laughs) um, it's like, sometimes you in life have dreams or things that you want. And then maybe you realize like, this isn't exactly what I wanted anymore. And you Mm -hmm. just said, who am I without this? I, I feel like that's so closely intertwined to purpose. How do we go about finding our purpose? Like, what is your, uh, like stance on what our purposes are in life? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I created a whole program on this called choosing you because, um, I realized when I was meeting with a lot of one-on-one clients, this is something they were struggling with. And, um, basically I was seeing when people were seeking out purpose, they really required to do some foundational healing first, right? Because it's like, if you've been people pleasing your whole life and putting everyone else first, you might not even be totally clear on what lights you up. What excites you? What are your preferences? Or if someone's struggling with depression or they're just in a shutdown mode with their nervous system, they might not even have the energy to seek out things or say, oh, well, nothing really lights me up. And so this is where it's just really important to look at foundational stuff first. So basically what I take folks through is first getting clear on just kind of what are their values, doing an assessment of how are they functioning day to day, what's working, what's not working. Like, let's look at the foundation, Mm -hmm. kind of like when you're going to do renovation on a house, you gotta look at the foundation first, right? And see if we need to strengthen that. And then go through very kind of step-by-step wise of healing, which first involves being able to regulate your nervous system or cultivate safety. Um, because this is something that a lot of folks struggle with when you're wanting to like, let's say, leave your nine to five or take a big leap of faith that brings up a lot of stress and fear. And if folks aren't able to regulate enough, it's like, they'll never choose past that. They'll never leap for it. So being able to learn to regulate your nervous system so you can feel calm enough to make these big, scary changes, super important. Mm -hmm. Then getting clear on like your trauma blueprint, like how do you have certain maybe trauma responses that still show up? So this is kind of tied to the nervous system. How do you go into a freeze response? Maybe when wanting to make decisions about your business or um, going into a flight response and wanting to flee and not choose this situation, things like that. We also look at, um, or other things I suggest is looking at, you know, are you setting boundaries with people in your life? Right. Another thing, because again, if you're taking care of everyone else, it's really hard to see what you want and what's going to create purpose for you. So all of that is just like really foundational before then you can kind of look at exploring what's going to light you up. Now, from my perspective, I don't sense it's like you have one purpose and that's all, that's all there is. You have to find it. You have to, you know, it's either right or wrong. It's like, no, it's not that it's like, what lights you up now? What gets you excited now? And for me, it's been many iterations. It was like ballet dancer. And then I kind of dabbled around with maybe it's hospitality or fitness, you know, instructor. And I tried that. And then, then it was psychology and now it's coach and right in the future, it might be something else, but it's learning to continue to follow the energy of what's just going to create more expansion and joy for your life. Cause for me, 
as like an infinite energetic being, we're here to play, explore, have fun, because ultimately that is what's healing for the planet. Mm, I love that, especially because I feel like there's kind of a reward system built into people who have identified their purpose early on in life. Like Taylor Swift, like she knew she wanted to be a songwriter. She knew, and then she went out and did it. And that's been her whole life. And it, it doesn't from the outside look like, oh, I struggled and was over here for a minute. And then I went this way and then that didn't work out. And then over here. And so I feel like a lot of us who have gone through similar experiences where it's like, I was over here and then I checked this out and then I didn't like it. And now I'm here and now I don't know what I want to do. How do you not compare yourself to like, I thought this was my purpose, but like she figured out hers really quick. Mm, Yeah. Well, it's kind of like comparison is just, it's a killer because ultimately it's not even accurate. I mean, we are just all at different stages. It's like comparing apples to oranges. It's like, we all have different lessons in this life. And so it doesn't do anything. If it's not inspiring you, then it's not worthwhile. I say like, throw it out. Right. And it's like, with using that example, it's like, I have no idea, you know, how happy she is or how fulfilled she is or Mm. how she had thoughts of wanting to do something else or, you know, and has she kind of restricted herself? Cause I mean, I have no idea. I'm curious. Um, and, you know, I can see where folks can get like a little pigeonholed in that sense. If like, if it has, like you said, been very reinforcing, then it's like, oh, like well, can't do anything else because this is what works. This is what gets results. Right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately to me, it's like the, the result is what lights you up, what gets you excited to get out of bed each day, because that ultimately is going to keep you at this really high vibrational state of feeling good and, you know, really interacting and away with others. That's really positive and whatnot. And so that's, that's what makes the difference because ultimately the judgment will just, it will just crush you and it will not get you where you're wanting to go. Yeah. That's great. I love that you asked those types of questions because I think they're questions that most people don't think about. Like, I've never thought about like, Oh, I wonder if she's ever thought about doing anything else or like, is she happy? You know, those things, but they're really good questions. And they're questions that like, you and I may never know, you know, because, um, but I think that's a great point. Also, you just touched on judgment. I'd love to get more into that because I feel like judgment, especially of ourselves is such a, it holds us back in so many ways. Do you see that with clients? Do you see that just with people in general? How do you approach judgment? Yeah. It, yeah, it's dynamic. I mean, the first thing I offer folks when I'm seeking to facilitate them getting out of judgment is just looking at does nature function from judgment? Yes or no. It's like, well, no, it just like it grows and it does its thing and it takes up space and same with animals. Do they function from judgment? No. So why are we, what is it creating now for folks who are like, Oh, I think I know what judgment is, but I'm not totally sure. Judgment is anything that is we've deemed as right or wrong or good or bad, right? So it's the polarity. And the issue is judgment is a conclusion. It limits what is possible because if we say, well, that's a bad thing, then kind of, as we talked about earlier with the subconscious, that's all that will show up in our reality because it's our point of view. It's our belief. This is good. This is bad. Then that will just be reflected back to us. And so that is ultimately very limiting. 
The other issue with judgment is it can put us in, it, act, or it activates the nervous system. So it puts us into like, even, even if it's like a micro fight or flight response, if we're going into judgment of ourselves, oh, like I can't put that out on social media or this is terrible and it will start to paralyze you. Because ultimately when we start to go into those fight and flight responses, we don't have access to like the creative areas of our brain. And so that's how it literally just kills creation, kills our creativity. And so it can completely stop us. So the antidote is then to be willing to be what you're resisting, Mm. right? So we tend to resist being wrong. We tend to resist being bad or whatnot. And this has been like the most game-changing thing for my business is just be willing to, okay, it's a bad reel. You know, I'm just going to put it out anyways. This is a bad piece of content, put it out anyway. Like just be willing to put it out because it's like, you will start to get more information from there. So a, be willing to be what you're resisting and B ask questions. What else is possible here? What else could I choose that's different here? And those types of questions are open-ended to get you into possibility and out of the limitation and conclusion of judgment. So judgment, if that's one thing to work on, is just to seek to let it go um, and be mindful that not all judgment that you perceive is yours as well. Just like a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's so interesting. So if you've, ha- if you have concluded something, mm-hmm. just start asking yourself questions about like, where did this come from? What else could mm-hmm. I believe in? Do you want to keep it an ongoing conversation? Do you ever want to come to a conclusion about something or should it always be ended? (laughs) So from like, from an access consciousness perspective, which is like one of the kind of many modalities that I dabble in. No, the idea, one of their 10 keys to total freedom is to live in question or live as the question, which means to perpetually always be in question. What else is possible here? How does it get better than that? What else could I choose? Who does this belong to? What am I aware of? I'm not acknowledging just because you can tell from me just asking those questions, it starts to change the energy. And all of a sudden it's like, we're dwelling in this space of possibility, excitement, creativity, and it just creates something totally different. That's way more magical and creative than what a conclusion and judgment will be. So, I mean, we still function from it, right? Like we still function from like, oh, this is whatever, but the more that we can dwell in the question is going to create so much more. Absolutely. And it's really interesting how you just said about the energy changing, because I could literally during this conversation, feel it in my body. We're talking about judgment and I felt just tight and small. And then you start asking these questions and I was like, Oh, that's a good question. Like I could take a breath. Like it's so interesting how our body responds to the thoughts that are happening in our heads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like really dynamically to the point that you know, mental and physical health are just, they're not, they're not separate. They are the same, like they are one. And I think this is really where we're going um, at this stage of like, kind of the collective is learning that ultimately what we are saying to ourselves creates what shows up in our reality and in our physical reality, in our body, that literally any physical ailment can be like tied back to some sort of stagnant energy in the form of a thought pattern or belief. And how do you go back and figure something like that out? 
So one of my favorite resources is Heal Your Body from A to Z by Louise Hay, um, which is basically a whole list of physical symptoms and ailments and then their probable emotional root cause. So that's like one way. Um, Another way is to look at like, what is the functionality of that body part? And then when it shows up as an ailment, like how could you tie it back? So for example, if you're having pain in your feet, it could be like, well, what is it that you can't stand in your life right now? Or if it's, you know, back pain, what is the burden that you're carrying? Or for me, I'll end up with like, oftentimes it'll be neck pain and neck is all about like movement and flexibility. And so when I end up in pain, it's like, okay, well, where am I being inflexible or stubborn here? Refusing to see other possibilities. Mm. Right. So it's kind of in that, like the functionality of the body, um, that you can connect it back to the belief. Yeah. That's interesting. I've noticed with myself, um, if I'm extremely stressed, I break out in hives Mm -hmm. and it's like, I, I see a hive. I'm like, Oh, my stress levels are off the charts. So, yeah, I'm trying to remember what she says about skin in there. Um, but it, it oftentimes results in from like micro irritations or just, you know, it, and it is like ultimately a stress response. If you look at again, going back to the root being some sort of judgment that you're having, that's then creating the, uh, stress response in the nervous system to be in fight or flight too long. And then the energy needs to be released somehow. So then it comes out in the body. And again, this is kind of coming from an idea of also Chinese medicine, where we're healthiest when our um, energy is moving freely and quickly in the body. And we end up sick when the energy is stagnant, dense, we have unresolved trauma. That's oftentimes where we have like dense energy that's held in the body as well. So when you're working with a client, I'm assuming you're looking at like so many different areas of them. What's going on in your body? What's your stress levels? Um, What's actually happening in your life? Like, where are you stuck? Or do you look at all of those things? Because from speaking with you, I'm like, I feel like everything is just so intertwined. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, I I mean, I function definitely differently than how I used to, you know, as a psychologist. And so certainly incorporating all those different areas um, is, is really important because it gives you just so much information on, on what's going on. Um, especially if people have like chronic autoimmune issues or things like that. Um, and ultimately, cause I, I've talked about it before online, like for example, anxiety is a symptom, not a disorder. You know, we've been functioning for a long time as like mental health being well, like imbalances in chemicals in the brain. And there's actually been a lot of research to debunk that and say, that's not even actually totally true. And so for me, after many years of working, I used to work with veterans for a long time. And I saw a lot of chronic trauma for me, it came down to four kind of root causes. One being just a chronically dysregulated nervous system. So this is for like any sort of like mental health or physical ailment, chronically dysregulated nervous system. So if we're in fight or flight, we're in stress response too often, right? We're meant to come back into a relaxed state. So our body can heal and repair. So that to some sort of limiting belief that's in the form of a judgment. And oftentimes that's part of what's activating the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So getting clear on what are those judgmental limiting beliefs? Three, then we ended up sometimes with some sort of physiological imbalances, like a, you know, um, not enough vitamin D or vitamin B levels can oftentimes contribute to physical illness. And then the fourth one, which is something not a lot of folks talk about is energetic sensitivities or energetic awareness or 
what are you perceiving at any given moment? Because as much as we haven't been taught, we are actually like these little psychic radio receivers picking up information all day long and then just buying it in our body as ours. Like, oh, this is my anxiety and what's going on with me, right? We kind of solidify it in our body by coming to a conclusion about it, not asking a question. And the easiest way I explain this to folks is, you know, imagine when you walk into a room of people. And like, what's the phrase? You can cut the tension with a knife, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, where did that phrase come from? Because you can perceive the energy in the room. It's like, it feels tense. Like maybe it's not even what people are saying. You just perceive it in your body. But because you walk into the room, you don't buy it as yours. You're just like, oh, it's tense in here. You know, I'm just gonna, okay, like take a breath. And you kind of, you don't buy it as yours because you walk into the threshold of the room. Yet, what if you are perceiving this information all day long, every day, and yet you just buy it as yours because you don't have the reference point of like walking into the room of people to Mm -hmm. say, this is not mine. And so this is where this question of who does this belong to, which actually comes from access consciousness, who does this belong to, to every thought, feeling, emotion that you're having to get the energy to move again, getting back to this idea that energy when flowing quickly keeps us healthy. Right. And so if I don't identify with it and I question it, well, who's this belong to? It lightens up, then that is not mine. And I do not need to deal with it. I can just return it to sender, return it back to the earth. I don't need my body doesn't need to process that. So this is where, you know, there's just a lot of things of how capable we are with awareness and perceiving energy that we haven't been taught. And so then, you know, folks who tend to be, I mean, I see a lot of highly sensitive people and past people that have had trauma are very sensitive to energies around them. Folks with that are neurodivergent as well, very sensitive. And when you've been made wrong for it, your entire life, again, a conclusion, you're wrong for being this aware, you're wrong for being paranoid or whatever, then that creates dis-ease in the body versus being able to learn to work with the energy. So that one's huge. Yeah. What are some ways that you can I guess not take on all this energy or recognizing that it's not yours? What are like some steps? Yeah. So, I mean, certainly like a a lot of kind of spiritual teachers will teach like the protection of like, maybe put like a white bubble around you or things like that. And while I appreciate that, there's also something that I get where we want to be in this place where we can be aware of the energy and not have it affect us. So like not be codependent with the energy is how I say it. Like we don't want to be the energetic dumpster can where then we're just constantly at effect of every energy we're perceiving. So it's this idea where you really just want to be kind of the rock in the stream versus the leaf that's getting swept up in the wind. Mm. So that way you still have awareness of energies that are coming through And then not be out of effect of it by asking questions. So the, who does this belong to just constantly? I mean, even if you do like a little three-day challenge for yourself, we just have it come up on your phone just as often as possible to ping you, because then you'll start to be that question. Eventually you won't have to ask it because you'll just be it. Oh, what am I aware of? You won't Mm -hmm. buy it as yours. It's kind of natural for me to go into now versus like when I experience something, what am I perceiving? What am I aware of right now? Rather than saying, oh, this yeah. is my anxiety. This is my stress. Okay. Well, what could I choose to nurture my body to let that go? Does it need a walk? Do I need to dance, dance it out, shake it out? Like if you just start to see it more neutrally, like your body is perceiving weather or navigating a weather system, then you don't make it all you know solid and real with the judgments. 
And that's how we can release it by being able to allow it to flow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then you're not kind of being like the magnet or the collector of it. It just is like flows through you, by you. Yeah, exactly. So that way you can have awareness of where maybe like someone's functioning at or something. So like, if you, if you're going to meet someone where you just like, they just have a like bad energy or whatever, bad, I'm going to put that in air quotes and you're like, I'm going to put up my shield and I'm going to protect myself and whatnot. There's a lot of judgment there that you have to hold in place to protect you. It's like, mm-hmm. A, we've already decided it's bad. B, you have to go into contraction to protect yourself. And you're saying like, I can't handle it, right? So it's a lot of disempowerment that I don't love about the like kind of protection stuff. So to me, it's more like, what does it look like to actually be able to lower your energetic barriers, be vulnerable, because that is what's going to give you the most information about where that person is functioning from about that energy, right? Because now you have full awareness of it. And when you don't make yourself at effect of it, that's true empowerment right there. I've never considered that, but I think that's so fascinating. I really like that point. It just did. I mean, you can just with anything that I'm talking about, you can just put it through your own awareness of like, what makes your body relax, melt, sigh, relax, right? Because it's like, that's what's the most healing for our bodies is into the sigh place, the relax, the space place. And that's what questions create and Mm -hmm. expansion creates is that space for our bodies to be in a healing mode. Anything that puts your body into contraction, resistance, judgment, right? That's all going to activate the nervous system to be in disease mode. Mm -hmm. And so really, you know, when you're listening to anyone, just filter it through, is this true for me? does this feel light and expansive and like it has possibilities in it Mm. because that's what will be true for you ultimately. So back to regulating your nervous system. If, Mm -hmm. if you're living in fight or flight, how do you start to allow yourself to feel safe? As you said, within your own body. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Because certainly when we've been through trauma, our bodies naturally do this to like protect ourselves. Right. Cause it's like concerned that the next trauma is going to be around the corner. Mm-hmm. And so how I like to see it as I tell folks, it's like hygiene, you know, we've been taught to brush our teeth every day to what as prevention, prevent cavities, take good care of our teeth. Well, we haven't been taught nervous system hygiene. And it's really the same idea because if we start to practice on a day-to-day basis, we can encourage the baseline of our nervous system to come down to a more relaxed state. Because if we're only using tools at our most activated state, like when I, if I only use a tool, when I get dysregulated, right. When my water was simmering and now it's at a boil, it's boiling over. I only bring it back down to the simmer versus if I'm using tools, when I'm at the simmering point, just kind of my most relaxed state, then I start to encourage my body that it's safe to relax further. Now the body does tend to like resist this at first. This is why meditation is not always the best tool to start off with. If you're particularly in fight or flight a lot of the time. Um, and oftentimes people who have not experienced a lot of relaxation think that their relaxed state is actually a fight or flight state. There's been some research to show that where people are like, I'm relaxed. And it's like, well, the biofeedback saying you're in fight or flight right now. So that's something to keep in mind. But so I encourage folks to use, you know, kind of really 
the right tool for the job. So if you're feeling really dysregulated, you're going to need a more active tool. Like that might look like going for a fast walk or dance, just like shaking it out of your body, dancing it out, things like that, or intense, like Wim Hof breath work, something like that, because that will get the energy out. And then as you start to regulate, you can do things that are a little calmer, like tapping, like take a salt bath, like listen to some binaural beats or a sound bath, things like that to start to like soothe your nervous system further. So it's kind of like you want to match the tool for how activated your state is, and then also implement them on a daily basis so that you're kind of like getting ahead of it. You're using it as prevention because our world is just inherently stressful, traumatic, and especially as you know, the past couple of years have been just so needed right now to regulate. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense that you need to like adjust based on where you currently are at. That's kind of like, I'm like, well, you wouldn't use the hammer to screw a screw in or a screwdriver to get a nail in, right. You need the right tool for the job. And so that's where a lot of folks, you know, because there's this lot of, a lot of talk about well, meditation and yes, it is so empowerful, <laughs> powerful in rewiring your mind and, you know, being able to come to this really relaxed state. And if you're just like too dysregulated, it can actually cause more panic like that quiet time can cause more panic. And so that's why it's really important, especially when I was working with veterans, it was like not meditation was just like, not something they were able to do. It had to be something more active, a more active meditation, which it could be like going for a walk and listening to a walking meditation or something like that. If you need to do something to move your body, it's not wrong. It's just follow the energy of it, what your body's asking for. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I want to go back really quick to judgment and comparison. How do you suggest to someone to get out of the comparison game, get out of that judgment? Yeah. Well, first I would look at is like, okay, is what you're telling yourself facilitating you to, you know, make the choices you want to make, Mm. or is it feeling motivational by you saying, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, or look at there so far along, is that motivating you to change? And oftentimes the answer is no. So it's kind of like, okay, so if we just get really pragmatic about it, for what purpose do you tell yourself that? Hmm. So this can be pretty direct because it's getting straight to the unconscious and empowering the person to choice. Okay. If you're aware you're telling yourself this and it's not helpful then why do we keep putting energy towards it? Because if we know through manifestation and creating our reality, the more energy we put to something, the more it grows. And so what would it take to put your attention towards the reality you desire, which is like have, you know, having a visualization of that person who is creating on social media, who is having the amazing business you've always wanted. Like what would it take to put all that energy there? And so that might look like maybe cutting back the consumption of social media because I, it's just, it's so wildly addicting. It's built that way. I mean, I can fall into that TikTok hole so fast. Wow. An hour just went by and that's not all I'm, if we're being mindless about it, it's very easy to go into, oh, I'm not making as much money as them. I'm not as successful as them. Oh, why didn't I create good content like them? It's just like the constant comparison is really unhealthy. And kind of, as I mentioned before, the judgment is just a killer of creation. We almost fill ourselves up with so much 
outside information that now we can't even hear our own intuition, our own awareness, or the uniqueness that we're going to bring to the world. So A, I would just really look at kind of try to like limit the social media consumption just because it's just, it isn't great greater in that sense. And B, where are you putting your attention? And if it's not creating the reality you want, then what else could you choose? Mm-hmm. Right. So not in a wrongness, not of like, you're wrong for putting your attention there. No, it's just like, if it's not giving you what you want, then what else could you choose? What else is possible? Because ultimately, if you're wanting to create this reality over here, then you're going to need to put some energy towards it to bring it to fruition. I love so much how you really try to ask questions that are out of the judgment. Like you're not wrong for feeling that way. It was just a way you felt, but like you can change it. Mm -hmm. That to me feels so freeing. And I think we often get stuck in this trap of like, I'm wrong for feeling this way, but I keep feeling this way and I don't know what to do about it, but this is how I feel. Totally. That's a great point because it's like, that's what almost sustains it. Yeah. This the old, the old adage of like what we resist persists is that right. So it's like, I hate that I feel this way and I'm mad at myself for feeling this way. And so now I feel like this way more and it just continues versus what if you just leaned into it? You know what? I feel like crap and it's okay. It's okay. And what am I choosing here? This is where we want to get radically honest with ourselves. What am I choosing here? That's creating this, Hmm. right? Because if I'm empowered to create my reality, what am I choosing? That's creating this, not from a place of like, it's wrong, just more, oof, this is not the reality I want. This is not fun. What else could I choose? And be an allowance of, of that. You know, I, um, a couple of years ago, I moved from Chicago to Texas. And although it was my choice, I still was in wild amounts of resistance about it, like tons of resistance. I just, I didn't want to leave Chicago and I didn't want to move to Texas. And I was just in all this resistance and going into all these walks, feeling like a tantruming child, you know, in the sense of, like, God, I didn't want to be here, blah, blah, blah. And I was listening to all this Abraham Hicks, which again, their messaging was lean into it, be an allowance of where you're at, right where you're at. It's not wrong. And once I started to choose that, it shifted. Mm-hmm. Once I allowed myself to be okay with like not loving it or whatnot, everything changed. And all of a sudden I was able to then have gratitude for where I was. But I wasn't able to when I was in all this judgment about it because judgment and gratitude just cannot exist at the same time. So when you can be an allowance of just right where you're at, it will actually shift you out of it faster. And now do you love Texas? I don't say I love it, but (laughs) (laughs) it's probably not my top party, but I do enjoy it. I do appreciate it for a lot of different things, especially not having crazy winters and whatnot. Um, and you know, I definitely have appreciation for where I'm at now. I'm kind of a nomad like that. So I move around a lot, but (laughs) that's awesome. Okay. I want to leave everybody with like one or two things that they can do just every day. Maybe it's a question they check in with something that maybe you do just to help them get more in the what's possible of life. life. I love that. Okay. So I'll say two things. Um, one move your body. Just move your freaking body because there's so many times that we get in our heads and we try to think our way out of things. And it's just, and we're stuck or paralyzed, whatever, move your body. It's like, that is such a contribution to your mental health. Does that just mean going for walks, having a dance party? That's like one of the challenges we had in my membership was a dance party every day, because the more you can move and let it out, it's just going to change the way you perceive and think about life. 
Just move it however it feels fun for you. Two, ask questions. And mainly if you take away one question, this question from Access Consciousness, who does this belong to? To every thought, feeling, and emotion that comes up. You can literally give yourself a little three-day challenge, set alerts on your phone so it comes up regularly more so that you can just allow the energy to move on. So if it's light and it moves on, that was not yours. You were just perceiving something, right? When you walked into that room of people and you said, oh, okay, that's it's tense in here. You didn't buy it as yours. If it stays dense in your body, when you ask, who does this belong to? Where's the lie here? What's the lie I bought into? Just to get the energy to move further. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information today. Where can everybody find you? Oh, my pleasure. It was so fun to chat with you. Um, so I'm at Crest Couch everywhere, uh, .com, on IG, TikTok, uh, where else? YouTube, mainly Pinterest, I'm on kind of all, all the platforms, um, but that's where you can find me. Amazing. I'll link everything in the show notes so everybody can get there. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. If you loved this episode, please let me know. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on your Instagram stories and with your friends. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Erica Ashley and at Irrepressible the Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you next week.